For me to live is Christ For me to die is gain Every moment in between There'll be joy and there'll be pain I can't worry about the future Or change a thing about my past I've got this moment to believe And I'm gonna make it last I am filled To be emptied This is Pastor Michael Rogers from The Jar at 702 H Street Northeast in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We just finished going through all of our different questions that we ask ourselves as disciple makers and our core values and all of those things. Um, and you're going to see those things pop up again and again over the course of the next year or so. But what we're trying to do now is get prepared for what God is showing us to, to share with you in 2024 um, and uh, to put ourselves in the right frame of mind so that as God uh, teaches us and shows us what he wants us to see and what we want, he wants us to share in 2024, we're, we're ready for that. Um, and uh, so we were just uh, thinking about what that might look like and um, what are the real issues in, the, in our world today and for many of us. And one of the things that we notice is that we, uh, there are a lot of us who spend a lot of time troubled and restless. Um, troubled because of things that are happening in our lives, uh, restless because things of things that are not happening in our lives. Um, and I have, have now been a believer longer than I was alive without Jesus, uh, but there are still days where I am struggling to find the peace that he promises. I want to I want to be able to live in that all of the time, um, and that's difficult to do if you're making wrong choices, but sometimes it's difficult just because life is happening around you and you're trying to figure it out. Uh, and so how can we help you be ready for, uh, for whatever the circumstances are? Because that, that's what joy is, is being confident regardless of the circumstances and not letting the circumstances cause us to be tossed to and fro by whatever wind of fortune comes our way so if it's a if it's a if there's good news it's a good day and if there's bad news it's a bad day but if it's not great news it's still a bad day because there's not enough happening and we want more better faster now and how do we get there um and so uh, so that's what we're looking at is from from what foundation can we begin to build the kind of life where peace is just a natural part of what we experience. Um, and we know that grace is the gateway for that in a lot of ways, but what does it mean to live in grace? And so that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So our consider question today is, in your life, do you tend to focus on the good things that are happening or the bad things that are happening? We'll give you 10 seconds to think about that for yourself. In your life, do you tend to focus on the good things that are happening or on the bad things that are happening? Okay, so this month we're going to be focusing on gratitude, which is something that a lot of times is picked out in November, right? Um, 
but we felt like that counting our blessings was really important and something that we need to learn to do. So it's, it's no secret that living a life of gratitude is generally considered to be of great benefit. Counting your blessings and naming them one by one is not only a beautiful hymn, it is also considered by many to be the optimal way to live. And more recently, scientists have been able to prove that gratitude has incredible benefits to both our mind and our body. Here is a list of the top 10 benefits of gratitude from one online author, Matt O'Grady. Number one, gratitude has lasting positive effects on the brain. Number two, gratitude boosts the immune system. Number three, it reduces stress, anxiety, and depression. Number four, it promotes optimism and positivity. Number five, it helps create and strengthen relationships. Number six, it reduces chronic pain. Number seven, it improves overall sleep. Number eight, it keeps us grounded in reality. And number nine, it promotes exercise and healthy habits. And number 10, it improves our overall self-esteem. Now this is just one author's list, but it actually could continue on and on as new studies present new findings about the benefits of living a grateful life. But all of this positive info begs the question, are we living lives of gratitude? Can you remember the last time you paused your life to sit and literally count out your blessings? And furthermore, if it's so beneficial, why doesn't everybody do it? Living a powerful life of gratitude takes focus, attention, practice, and care. But it's all worth it in the end to live a grateful and empowered life. So today we're going to look at three passages that set us up for this month's series on gratitude. First, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 32. And we're going to start with the one who teaches us all about things, which is Jesus. Michael and I have a saying, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's It's good good enough enough for for us. us. (laughs) That's right. Right? And so he shows us throughout the scriptures what it means to be grateful. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 32. Right before that, you'll see that starting in verse 29 of Matthew 15, it basically says that Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee, and he climbed a hill and sat down, and there was a vast crowd there, and he's he's speaking to the people. Now, here's the thing. While they're up there on that hill, prior to that, um, that he healed them all. So there was this huge crowd of people that had come prior to this, and Jesus had healed them all, and all means all. Um, And so he'd healed them all, and the the crowd was amazed. And so they're up there on the top of this hill, and they've been there for a while. And starting in verse 32, he says, Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have had nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. The disciples replied, Well, where would we get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? Jesus asked, How much bread do you have? And they replied, Seven loaves and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. And then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and what did he do? He thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. And verse 37 says, They ate all ate as much as they wanted. 
Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. So basically this, this story kind of sounds familiar. It's probably deja vu, right? Because earlier in chapter 6, Jesus had fed the 5,000 but we know that this is actually a different story because in Mark chapter 8, mm-hmm. Jesus specifically talks to the disciples about how he had done two feedings, <clears throat> one of the 5,000 and one of the 4,000. So we know that this isn't the same story that was just retold in a different way. We know that it is a different story. It's a second feeding. But instead of 5,000, it's 4,000, yeah. plus the men and women. And there's a couple of other reasons that we know that. <clears throat> One is it happens in a different place. And the other is that it happens to a different group of people. The first time when he feeds 5,000, he's west of the Jordan, and he is feeding largely a Jewish population. But this time with the 4,000, he is close to what was called the Decapolis. And the Decapolis was basically 10 cities that had a loose confederation. They kind of looked out for each other. <clears throat> and in those 10 cities were all kinds of people, but mostly what would be considered Gentiles, which is just a fancy word for someone who's not part of the Jewish race. And so Jesus is reaching out to the world through this, uh, and that makes it different. So it, and it's east of the Jordan, and so, that's a, so where it is is different who it is is different, how many it is is different, and even the, uh, the results of it is a little different. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll notice that um, here again the disciples are perplexed, right? Even though they had seen this circumstance once before, mm-hmm. they are in awe, and they can't believe that this has happened probably again. Right? So like the guys, we too often forget how God has cared for us in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes God gives us some pretty miraculous <clears throat> things or he answers our prayers, but sometimes we tend, it's just human nature, we tend to forget that, right? And so when facing a tough situation, remember that God cares for you and trust him to work faithfully again. But you'll notice a couple things. First thing is that Jesus gives us an example of giving thanks, and the concept of giving thanks or thanksgiving in Greek came from two root words. The first root word is spelled E-U, and it's pronounced U, which means good or well. And the last part of that is charis, which means grace. Mm-hmm. So good grace. So put together, it's eucharisto, which is where we get the word eucharist, which is what the Catholics call communion. And so this is the concept is, uh, to a Jewish person, what they would hear is blessing, uh, bracha, uh, blessing. And that blessing would not be Jesus being God blessing the bread. It's, it would be Jesus giving a blessing that says, God, please make this holy. And so when he's giving thanks there, he is calling God to create holiness in what he is using. I, I'm interested in the juxtaposition between he goes up on a hill and people come to him with, it, with their need, and it says absolutely nothing about gratitude. But whenever the time comes and he ne- realizes that he needs to feed these people, who may or may not have been grateful, we don't know, but it isn't brought out in the passage, he says, you know, I, these people need to be fed. Let's do something about it. What have you got? And then he thanks God before the miracle. He thanks God and says, 
whatever you're going to do, God is good enough. We've got seven baskets here. We're going to let you decide how far that goes. I'm going to be grateful for this now. So he did come with a need, but he came with gratefulness in his heart, not need in his heart. And he's just showing us that difference and that that's where his peace is coming from, is that he's not, he's not thinking first of his need. He's thinking first of his God and is coming to him and saying, I know you're going to do something. I just don't know what. I'm grateful for what you already have provided me. And I am going to sanctify it by setting it apart for you and let you decide what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. You notice he says, he says, I don't want to send them away hungry or they will faint along the way. And like I said, we all have burdens. We all have struggles sometimes in our daily walk. Or we have seasons where we struggle. But in Matthew 11, prior to this, Jesus says, come to me. All you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I find it interesting that he's looking at the people. He's done all these miracles. He's healed their physical bodies, but then he realizes they've been out here a long time, and they could become faint. They could become weak. They need to eat. They need to refill And I don't know about you all, but if you've ever been to a spirit-led worship, when you get done, you're hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's just something about that. When you go to church and you and the spirit Mm -hmm. has been moving and you've been worshiping, learning about him and gathering together, you leave there. And that's why we always tease about who's going to be the first one to get to lunch. Who's yeah. going to get out first, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it makes you hungry. You you physically feel hungry after church. It's just Car- a, something if, that happens. If Carrie's dad would preach too long, he'd say, don't worry, we're still going to beat the Baptist to lunch. <laughs> <clears throat> right. I mean, it's just a natural thing. And so I think Jesus sees that and he's like, you know, we need we need to lighten their burden. We need to lighten the load. And so part of the yoke that Jesus offers us Release us from the challenges of the human experience, and, and, and it's the practice of gratitude. And throughout Scripture, Jesus teaches us about yes. gratitude. Yes. When he does miracles, he gives thanks. When he breaks bread, he gives thanks. When he teaches us how to pray, he practices gratitude by acknowledging God, our Father, and our reliance on him for everything, our daily bread. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he gave thanks. After Jesus was resurrected, he ate with his disciples and he gave thanks. Um, after the, at the final supper, what we call the last supper before his crucifixion, he gave us the most tangible symbols of gratitude, which we turned into the tradition of communion, right? You want to talk about that? Yeah, just <clears throat> I think we struggle with this because we divorce it sometimes from the rest of Jesus' teachings. And so communion becomes this time where um, we're more worried about examining ourselves, which is important, than we are about celebrating what God did for us. And so a lot of times our communion or our Eucharist is very solemn and it's very serious. And there is time and place for that. There are some times when we need to be very serious about what God has offered to us. But the intention of the Eucharist, the, the concept of this good news that is grace, is that we celebrate. And it's okay to say, God, I'm taking a communion today, and I'm just thanking you because without you, I got nothing. Without you, I'm still in sin. Without you, I, I, I would still be trapped in my addiction or in my 
<clears throat> you know, my situation or, you know, what in my relationships. Um, and so, God, I want to celebrate you today through this. And so communion can be solemn and reverent. It can also be a wild party with Jesus <laughs> where you're saying, man, you are the, you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I want to take this moment, pause in this moment to remember. I think that's why I don't think there's any... Sometimes we take, you know, here at the jar, most of the time during reflection, you guys take it on your own. But there are also times where we may have everybody take it all together. Yes. And there'll be times when we'll do that here. And there's no wrong way or right way, whether you take it all together or whether you take it separately. Um, once again, it's, it's value to both. It's value to both. Yeah. And it's, it's about gratitude and it's about thanksgiving and it's thanking Jesus for what he did for us, right? Either way, solemn or mm -hmm. celebrating, you're thanking Jesus for what he's done. For right. And Jesus feeds this huge crowd, and they were all filled. And, of course, our motto here is filled to be emptied. Mm -hmm. And so that word filled just keeps coming up and coming up, right? That Jesus fills us, and because we are filled, we have that overwhelming gratitude. And we <coughs> want that to pour out, and we want that to empty onto others. You know, imagine being one of the people in the crowd. Mm -hmm. First, and suppose you were one of the lame ones. So first, you came with your need and you were healed. Then you stayed and were filled spiritually with his teaching. Then you were filled with food. When you walked away from that place and you went back to the Decapolis, what were you talking about? Was there anything more important for you to talk about than what you had just experienced? And if we're doing it right, that's what church is. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for us to come and gather together and be filled like that so that when we walk away, what is more important than talking about what we just experienced mm -hmm. together? Also, too, in verse 36, he took it was just seven loaves and fish, right? So you're looking at 4,000 people, and then you, I would double that because you probably are going to have women and children, just the women alone. Yeah. It could be anywhere to close to 8,000, <clears throat> maybe 10,000 yeah. yeah. by the time it's done, and you only have seven loaves and a few fish. And the, I think the thing that, that we want to look at here is that even though the offering was small, God multiplies our efforts. Yes. Right? Well, we need to hear that here. Yeah. <laughs> he will supply, and we cannot provide all that our world needs. He multiplies our smallest offerings. Our physical resources are small, and the task is overwhelming. But we and Jesus, Jesus is in the miracle business. He just proved that right before that when he healed every person there that needed to be healed. And so let's not look at what we can bring, but to what our Lord provides. Yes. Right? So it's not just about, I always say, you know, why do we get up and why do we sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs? Why do Dewey and Steve and I and Keith get up there? We don't do that because we want to entertain. We do that because we're giving back just a part of ourselves as a way to, of gratitude to say thank yes. you, Lord. Yes. for this, And that's a small offering, right? But I don't know about you all, but I have been in places where worship is all that I have. But boy, when I give it, he shows up in a mighty way. Mm, so it is a small gift, but God multiplies it in such a big way. And I've been in worship services where that's the case. I've been right here at the jar. Yeah. And we've only had 15 people and yeah. we've done worship 
up on the platform and the spirit has moved in a mighty way. So it's not the size, right? God does care about the little things in our lives, even the small loaves and small fishes. He cares. He cares about us. We are more than little things to God. In the darkest time of my life, God has been there for me personally, whether it be through a friend, a coworker, an answer to prayer, or even just a simple worship service. I remember our family was going through a really, really hard time about 10 years ago. It's been almost yeah, 10 I years. Know. It's crazy, isn't it? And I've told this story before, but the church that we were attending at the time, it was one of those things where we were we were going because it was the right thing to do and because we had to show our children yes that it was the right thing to do and so um and that church is made up of people but we don't go to church just for the people we go because of who he is you guys ever seen this there's the church there's the steeple open the door and there's the problem (laughs) yeah right we had experienced that our family had experienced that and so we wanted our children to understand that, you know, gathering together is not just about the people, but it's, and you guys have heard us say this a thousand times, it's not just about the people. We're coming out of a gratitude to God. It's our way of spending yes. time with him and learning who he is and who his character is. And so there was a time in our lives when it was really hard. And there was one Sunday, I'm not going to lie to y'all, y'all know I love to worship and I love to sing and I love the music. But there was one Sunday where we went And I literally was so angry with God that I just stood. I just stood there with my hands at my sides. I refused to sing. I refused to worship. You know what I mean? And I I was angry. I was angry with him. And my kids knew something was up because that's not me, you know. Um, But through all three songs, I just refused. I was angry. And it was like a little kid sitting in the corner pouting. That's basically what I was doing. I was pouting. By the end of the worship set, though, God had spoke to me throughout that. And he said to me, it's okay. Throw your tantrum. I'm big enough. I can handle it. Yeah. And I still love you anyways. And all I could give in that on that Sunday in that moment was the fact that I was just even there. Yes, presence. My presence was there. Yes. I wasn't giving my all like I should, but the fact that I got up, got my children ready, and made myself go. God said, I see you. Mm-hmm. Your obedience. You did it anyways. Thank you. And listen, when you feel that way, making it to church is nothing short of a miracle. It's a little thing. And some, we think when we see Jesus and he's doing all these grand things, he's walking on water, he's healing the lame, he's feeding 4,000 or 10,000 people. And we go, man, I wish I could, you know, I wish I could tap into something like that. But really, honestly, it, it's the small details where he meets us the most. He sees it. It's those little bits and pieces of our lives that we are willing to share with him. That he says, okay, now I can work with you. Now it's I can, now it's I can the do the seven something. loaves and the one fish. Yes. Right? Absolutely. I like the way J.I. Packer answered this question. Michael said you'd like this one, Carrie. J.I. Packer answered that question about does God really care about the little things? And he said, he said, of course God cares about the little things in our lives because everything is little compared to God. I know God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want him 
to in either big or little things. But what we do know about scripture is that Jesus cares about us. Therefore, Peter says you should cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So now we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Yeah. And while you're turning to that, let me, just, let me just speak to this. There are some people who are going to hear this, and they're going to think, oh, they just want us to wear rose-colored glasses. They don't really want us to, to keep in mind what's real. They want us to always be optimistic no matter what. That's not what gratitude is. Gratitude is not covering over reality and saying everything's going to be okay because I think it is. Gratitude is saying, God, I am so thankful that everything is little to you. Even the big thing that's in my life right now that looks so out of control is still little compared to you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses. I'm, I'm wearing grace-colored glasses. It's grace that allows me to do that. It's that unearned favor that he gives me. It's the chorus. It's the gift that he gives me that says, you can have this kind of peace. And that's what Paul talks about in Philippians. That's right, because sometimes having gratitude feels like it's impossible. Everyone has worries on the job, at home, at school, with family, with relationships. But Paul's advice is to turn our worries into prayers. So let's look at what he says. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And what does it say? And thank him for all that he will, has done. Then, and I love when Paul, I love when Paul uses the word then. Yes, Because yes. that word then is <clears throat> big, yes. right? So he's just said, don't worry. Instead, pray. Thank him for all he's done. And then, what happens? You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, the more we pray, the more we worry less. And whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Always take time to listen to what God has to say to you. And thank him for all the good work he has done in your life your church, your community, and, and the world. And here's the thing. God's peace is different from the world's peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So true peace is not found in positive thinking, in absence of conflict, or in good feelings, right? right? Because right. God never promises we wouldn't go through troubles, or challenges, or trials, or even just, I wanted to park in the front at Walmart, and I end up having to park all the way in the back. <laughs> and I have to walk all the way up there in five feet of snow. <laughs> I'm just, I'm adding to the drama, yes, right? But, um... <laughs> but it comes from trusting God to work everything out in a way that is best for you as you fulfill your role in God's work in the world. Our, our citizenship, remember, is in Christ's kingdom. It's God's kingdom, not the world's kingdom. Our destiny is set, and we can have a victory over sin. So let God's peace guard your heart against the anxieties of the world that try to bring you down and keep your focus on Jesus. When we trust God, he gives us a peaceful perspective. And that can be in a traffic jam, that can be in a difficult phone call, in a troubled relationship, 
or like when I was in a wreck and got sandwiched between two cars our opening day here at the jar yes just <laughs> a couple hours able, before God was able to give me the peace to get through that so that I didn't I was able then to come and show up for our grand opening here for her, for her first day preaching in front of people yeah 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 um, he was able to give me that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? And that's, so that's why we're showing you that Matthew passage where Jesus thanks God and then breaks the bread. Because what this passage here in Philippians is saying is gratitude comes first. When we are thankful, then we have peace. And that peace is nothing less a miracle than the feeding of the 4,000. Because we've all been in that place where... Um, the anxiety and the trouble and the restlessness is all packaged into uh, our heads and we can hardly think straight and being able to go God thank you for these little things starts to free that up and starts to lead to a path of peace so if you are just sitting there going I'll thank God when he gives me peace you're you're going to miss it mm-hmm. right so when we are thankful we have peace but also what does Jesus teach us? Make gratitude the first thing that you offer. Right. Okay? Um, even in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And before he even asks, or he says, give us this day our daily bread, right? So at the beginning, he is thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for and all for that you, who you are. For who you are. Yes. And the promises that you've made. He teaches us that when we pray. Always make gratitude the first thing first. And we see that in, if you guys turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses, verse 1. This is important enough for you guys to at least write it down or mark it. That's not too far away from your Philippians. 1 Timothy. So Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and then the Timothys. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. In other words, in everything you do, we're praying and giving thanks. So really, throughout the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, both Paul, Timothy, Jesus, the apostles, they all teach us over and over and over again that gratitude and prayer go together. They're yes. like hand in hand. Of, yes. They're like one of the same coin, right? So it's not that we should never ask God for anything or come to him with our desires of our hearts or ask him for healing or whatever it is. But, but when we think we shouldn't separate gratitude and prayer, they really go hand in hand together, and they're one of the same coin. And, and you'll see that over and over in the passages, especially Paul. He'll always say, prayer and then he'll say thanksgiving somewhere in the same sentence they go hand in hand together and that and every time that word is eucharisto every time it's it's leading you back to communion and blessing that comes from god through you to what you are thanking him for and you are setting it when you thank him for something like that you are setting it aside and making it holy not because of something you've done but because you are giving it to him and he makes everything holy And I think for some Christians, especially those who have been a Christian or a believer for a long time, and we've been in the church a long time, I think it's easy for us to separate gratitude and and requests. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say, oh, let's take prayer requests, Yeah. right? And we spend, you know, most of our time asking God for things, which is okay, 
but I don't know if we always take time to really thank him and give gratitude yes. for the things that, for who he is and what he promises. And so just remember, just a, just a reminder to our, our already believers that are listening to this that don't forget the Thanksgiving part too. Don't get so caught up in, oh, woe is me, and I've got to ask God for all of these things. Take time to be thankful. So our B for today is be willing to practice 30 days of gratitude with us this month. So we're going to ask you guys and ask our folks on the podcast and on the radio station to join us. The next 30 days, we want to do 30 days of gratitude where every day you are practicing it. So I'm going to give you five examples, if you've taken notes, five examples of how to practice gratitude. The first one is notice good things, look for them, and appreciate them. In other words, pausing to notice the things he has placed in our lives that are a blessing. If that means a donut for breakfast, <laughs> or a free cup of coffee, notice it. Thank God for it, right? If that means that you show up the clothing closet and there's a pair of shoes that's just your size and what you need, take time to notice it, right? Pause and notice the things he has placed in our lives that are blessings. Second one is each day think of three things that you are thankful for. Three things that you are thankful for. Make it a daily habit to visualize what's good in your life. If that just means I thank God that I have air conditioning or, or heat or that I have a soft bed, it doesn't have to be. Remember, seven loaves, one fish. It can be small. It doesn't have to be big. Number three, start a gratitude journal. Um, you guys all know that we have journals, free journals here at the JAR. If you need another journal or you need a new one, come to us. We'll give you one. Now, you don't have okay? to have a separate journal to have gratitude in your journal. Right. So if you already have a prayer journal or you're already doing some <coughs> kind of writing that's keep reminding you of how good God is, then let this just be a part of that process. And I would even say if you have a prayer journal, maybe at the top, of the prayer journal, as you start journaling going forward starting this month, at the top, put gratitude and then list the three things for, for that day or whatever, and then do your, and prayer then do your prayer request and your journaling for prayer. So you're learning, you're teaching yourself in your mind and practicing. So if we're remembering when we go to pray and ask God for things, that we're also thanking him and giving him gratitude for whatever it is. I'll be honest with you, there's been times when I've been so tired <coughs> and I've just asked God for a good parking spot at Walmart. And he's given it to me at just the right time and I actually will pull in and go, thank you God for this parking spot. Because <laughs> I am tired or my back hurts or my feet hurt. Thank you for the parking spot, right? Sometimes I just thank him that I got in and out of Walmart alive. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as we're getting into the holiday season, right? Mm -hmm. So just start a gratitude journal. The next one is, this is kind of cool. Thank someone new every week. I know even for me, I struggle sometimes to remember to do that. Like with my coworkers, I try really hard to have at least one coworker while I'm in the office that I say, I appreciate you. 
Thank you. Appreciate you. Yep, I appreciate you. <laughs> there, Dewey got you his know, one for the week right there. Michael, <laughs> that's right. Michael, I appreciate you coming every week when you can and helping me set up the coffee and making sure there's toilet paper in the bathrooms and, and putting the tea and water together. Thank you for sweeping the floors. That's gratitude. You're welcome, but you don't have to thank me. No, I mm. want to thank you. But that's the thing. When we start thanking other people and saying we appreciate you and they know that you, you're seen, not only does it bless them, it blesses you. Right. Right? And you guys notice Michael was saying, you don't have to thank me, but he was smiling the whole time. Mm -hmm. He was saying, you don't have to thank like me. Like somebody might actually need to hear it. Yes. They, they need to know that what they're doing is noticed. And it goes along with the, with the last two sermon series we've had in First John when we've talked about loving our neighbor and showing our love for God and for, for others. God is trying to teach us that to be in a right relationship with him means to also be in a right relationship with each other, right? Um, and so just remembering what we learned in John, what John taught us about loving each other, and it begins with expressing gratitude and encouragement, okay? Mm -hmm. So thanks some, one person, just one person new every week that maybe you, you haven't thanked in a while. And then lastly, meditate. Meditate is kind of an overarching word for uh, prayer, for worship and song, for even just being still. Right, still before God, reflection. Our reflection time every week is basically a meditation time. We give you the option to either sing with the song to take communion, which is gratitude, right? We talked about that, the Eucharist, or praying with each other, or just praying in general, or us praying for you, right? All three of those things are meditating on what we just learned and meditating on who he is. And if I could just, one of the things about meditating is when I, when I very first started trying to figure out what it looked, felt like to, to meditate, I would get so mad at myself because I would get distracted by thoughts. Okay, and so I would try to spend time with God, and I just want to, God, I want to praise you and, and adore you, and I got a bill to pay, and I've got to pick up my son tomorrow, and I've got, <laughs> yeah. you know, and these things would start coming up into my mind, and, and I, they felt like distractions, and then I started realizing that God and I are having a conversation, uh, that, that those things are not distractions, they are the things that are worrying me, that, and he's bringing them to my mind so that I can give them to him. Not so that I can be mad at myself for thinking of them, but so that I can have a moment and go, Lord, thank you for reminding me of that. Help relieve that worry. Help me to remember to pick up my son, which is a real prayer that I have to pray. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you, God, for providing the money to pay that bill. Thank you, God, for it. And so, so in other words, if you find yourself being distracted by thoughts outside of praise, thank God for them. Don't be distracted by them. Right. So once again, here's Paul. First Thessalonians 5.17. You can turn to it. You don't have to. You can write it down. But Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. But here's the thing he says right after it. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you can't think of anything to be grateful for, then start with the tangible. If you wake up and you think, I just can't write three things down today. You know, um, I think I've shared you with this with you guys before, but I struggle with depression and anxiety. 
I've, been, I've struggled with it my whole life. It runs in my family. There are some days where it's, it's harder than others. It's hard to be grateful. It's hard to think of those things. When you struggle with those things, and it's just start with the tangible. Remember who Jesus is. Say, Jesus, I can't think of anything right now, but I can thank you for you. <laughs> On those days when it's hard and it, all the only tangible thing you can do is to remember who Jesus is, I want you to remember Psalm 145, 18. Basically, he says that he promises to be near us when we call. So if we just say his name and say, Jesus, I can't thank you for anything right now, but I thank you for who you are. He's going to hear you, and he's going to be there, and he's going to be present. And inside of that, what Jesus teaches us is that gratitude will help us flourish, and we will reflect his kingdom, not the world kingdom, God's kingdom, which you are now a part of, a kingdom of love, justice, grace, and peace. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Jar with Pastors Michael and Carrie Rogers. If you'd like to support our mission, you can go to www.thejarministries.net and look for the Give button in the top right. Your sponsorship allows us to continue ministering to the least of us in our great city of Ardmore, Oklahoma. Thank you so much. I am filled To be empty